in Nehemiah chapter 10, right? So we're going to get started uh, uh, for the tape, February the 11th. We're doing lesson 15 on Nehemiah chapter 10. And again, we're still in the middle of this project. Uh, the Bible calls it the book of Nehemiah. I've called it the Jerusalem project because Nehemiah has a goal in mind and it's to get back to Israel and it's to get them to worshiping God the way that it needs to be. And so that's the project. And the walls are part of it, but not all of it. So uh, chapter 9, we kind of wrapped up last week, but I want to finish up. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 34 through 38 of chapter 9 before we get started into where we're at. So verse 34 says, uh, this is the people speaking at their come to the Lord meeting. And they go, verse 34, Neither our kings, our princes, our priests, nor our fathers kept the law, nor hearken unto thy commandments and thy testimonies, wherewith thou didst testify against them. For they have not served thee in their kingdom, and in thy great goodness that thou gavest them, and in the large and fat land which thou gavest before them, neither turned they from their wicked works. Behold, we... Our servants this day, and for the land that thou gavest unto our fathers, to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof, behold, we are servants in it, and it yielded much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us because of our sins. Also they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle, and at their pleasure, and we are in great distress." And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it and our princes, Levites and priests, seal unto it. So, I mean, their confession is, hey, this is where we are after all we've, we've read and talked about so far. And we want to get right with God. That's basically what they're saying here. Okay, So they have a coming to the Lord meeting. They confess their sins. They've taken steps to correct their sins. And they were ready to make an agreement. And an agreement is a covenant with God to follow Him. And you know what? There's a lot of people today that need to get in that same boat. There's a lot of people going to church today that need to get in that same boat. Because I think a lot of people go to church today and they, it's it's a machine. It's just something they do on Sunday morning. And if we're not careful, we get in that 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 boat too. You know, if you're just coming to church, you know, to see your friends or go out and eat dinner with them afterwards, you're getting ripped. I like going out and eating dinner with you guys. Sometimes I have to wonder if I'm doing that. I might just go into church on Sunday to go out and eat with everybody, which I love doing. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus is we're coming to church to hear a word from Him, to serve Him, to worship the Lord. And so we need to have an attitude that we need to keep that uh, forefront in our lives and not just make it a habit or you know just to turn it into a machine. We just do this on Sundays. Why do we do it on Sundays? We just do. No, we do it because we're serving the Lord, we're worshiping the Lord. It takes both, okay? And so now we are up to chapter 10. And again, this is chapter with a whole lot of people in this. And that's why I have Rex going to read this for us. You get that. You get that. He's named in you. I didn't need to because you're going to do it. No, I, I will do it. So I did switch Bibles to bring my my old King James. It has a little more uh, 
help on uh, pronouncing them. Mm-hmm. I'll still butcher them, but but we'll do it. So let's go ahead and read the chapter. We may read the whole chapter, so just bear mm-hmm. with me. I, I thought about just leaving the names out, but I'm like, no, God put them in His Word. They're there for a reason. He wastes no space in there. And if I would study it out, I'm sure there's something there. But uh, So let's read chapter 10 and we'll go from there. It says, now those that sealed, those that made the covenant and put their uh, name on it, were Nehemiah the Tershatha, the son of Hachaliah and Zedekiah. Zariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pasher, Amariah, Malchijah, Hadesh, Shebaniah, Maluk, Haram, Merimoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Genethon, Luke, Meshulam, Abijah, and my jamming. That guy liked to dance. <laughs> I don't get any better than that, guys. That's as good as I can do. Um, Meaziah, Bogai, Shemiah, these were the priests. And the Levites. Now, now, Again, when I read the Bible, I always end up with more questions than I get. So the question I have here is, why does a priest start with a small p and the Levites at capital L? If you guys can figure that out, let me know, because it's keeping me up at nights. Okay? Wasn't Levites proper name because it's the name of the tribe of Israel? Levi. So it would be capitalized for priests don't have to be unless it would be at the first or particular way. I'll go with that. I love that. I hadn't thought about that. We should ask Sharon. She's pretty good at English. Oh, I thought yeah. I thought maybe she's a Levite. I didn't oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> like, why Sharon? Okay, back, back to the lesson. <laughs> so these were the priests. And the Levites, both Jeshua, the son of Azaniah, Benuai of the sons of Henadad, Kadmiel, and their brethren, Shebaniah, Hodajah, Kalida, Peliah, Hanan, Micha, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zachar, Sherebiah, Shebaniah, Hodanijah, Bani, Beninu, the chief of the people, okay, Parash, Pehath, Moab, Elab, Zathu, Bani, Buni, Asgad, Bibai, Adonijah, Bigvai, Adon, Adder, Hiskaijah, Azur, Hodajah, Hashem, Bizei, Herif, Anathoth, Nebei, Magpiash, Meshulam, Hezer, Meshezabel, Zadok, Zadok, Zadua, 
Pelatua, Hanan, Ananiah, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashab, Haloish, Pileah, Shobek, Reham, Hashabanah, Maaseah, and Ahijah, Hanan, Anan, Maluk, Haram, Bayana. Okay. Got through with that. Well, that I hit it just right. Okay, wow. I was hoping you would say you didn't. If you missed half of those, now just let you do it. But oh well. I would. But I'd have to kill you. Uh, what I mean, can, I mean, for these guys to get up and say, probably no big deal. Just like saying Rex, Bob, Larry, you know, it's probably nothing. But for us, it's a little stretch. Okay, so we got all the people listed here, and so let's keep moving. Verse twenty-eight, and the rest of the people. Aren't you glad they didn't list all them? <laughs> the priest and the Levites. See, there it is again. The priest, cap, small p, Levites, L. Oh, but I'm going to take what you said. I like it. Because the Levites are actually a tribe where the priests are not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the, the rest of them are not capitalized. The porters, the singers. But the Nephinims are capitalized. A group of people, so it would be capitalized. Well, what about the singers? They're a group of people. Ooh. Well, it depends who it is. Not based on the name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Learn something every week. And all they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands unto the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding. They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and enter into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord, and his judgments and his statutes. And that they would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land bring ware or any victual to the, on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day. And that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. Also, we made ordinances for us to change or to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of the shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, and for the continual meat offering, and for the continual burnt offering of the Sabbaths, of the new moons, for the set feast, and for the holy things, and for the sin offerings, to make an atonement for Israel, and for the work of the house of our God. And we call the lots upon the priest, the Levites, and the people for the wood offering to offer it unto the house of our God after the houses of our fathers at times appointed year by year to burn upon the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law and to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of our of all trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. Also the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstlings of our herds and of our flocks to bring to the house of our God and to the priests that minister in the house of our God and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine and of oil unto the priest to the chambers of the house of our God and the tithes of our ground unto the Levites 
that the same Levites might have the tithes in all the cities of our tillage. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes, and the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes unto the house of our God, to the chambers and to the treasure house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of corn, of new wine, and oil and to the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers and we will not forsake the house of our God. Well, that's that's a mouthful, but that's a lot. They're like, this is what we will do. This is the contract that they have. So, uh, on your handout in Nehemiah chapter 10, the people get serious with the Lord. And again, they hadn't been serious with the Lord. And they noticed that their forefathers and their fathers before them hadn't been serious with the Lord. And because of that, God allowed them to be taken to a foreign country and become captives and even brought them back into the land, but they were still controlled by Persia. And so they realized the predicament they were in was because they did not obey God and keep His laws. And so now they're like, okay, let's let's get this kicked back in gear and start doing things right. And so the people get serious with the Lord. And I've kind of wondered, where, where are we at with that? How serious are we? Like I said earlier, do we just show up on church on Sunday and... And we need to do that to hear the Word of God, to get energized for the rest of the week. But is that just, do we just read our Bibles on Sunday? Do we just serve God on Sunday or, or, or do we do more? I don't know. How serious are we in our service to the Lord today? We need to learn from these people because when they served the Lord, what happened to them? God blessed them. God kept their enemies away. God did everything for them. But when they disobeyed God, all the stuff came into them. And so number one, the people, the, all the people are involved. Nehemiah, verse one, he is the Tershatha. Now what does Tershatha mean? I think I've mentioned that before. Governor. governor. He's the governor. It goes in your blank. And then you got the guy right behind him, Zidkaijah, if I pronounce that right. Um, both him and Nehemiah are from a kingly line. I don't know. I don't think we've really talked about that much before. But they are, you know, Nehemiah was way up in the Persian court, right? He was the cupbearer. He was the one, he was an advisor to the Persian king. It'd be like our cabinet. Just... Hopefully he wasn't as wicked as our cabinet that we have. But I mean cabinet for the president. He gets his advisors from this group. Well, Nehemiah was in that group. Well, how do you think he got there? He wasn't just some local... What do I want to say? Local... Yokel. Okay. I'm sorry. You're looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about, which I I mean, I should know that, right? Because I fit that. But I mean... He he's got he's from the line that's been educated. He's he's from a line that that uh, it should be about leading people. You know, he's in that bloodline. The king should have had that. They just disobeyed God, but he's in that bloodline, and so him as, as well as Zedekiah are in that line. So they're number one. They sign first. They put their sound. They're John Hancock. 
on this contract at the very beginning. Well, that's the way it should be. Okay? And then you got the priest in verses 2 through 8. And then you have the Levites in verses 9 through 13. And then you've got the chief of the fathers that I read in verses 14 through 27. And then behind that, you've got the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, and the Nethanims. Okay? So a covenant is made. Verse 29. So 10, 29. Let's read this. It says, They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and His judgments and His statutes. So first of all, the blank is to walk in God's law. Now that kind of hits home with our class, doesn't it? What's our name? Walking worthy. And here it says, they made a covenant with God to walk in His law. Same same thing for us. We need to be walking in God's Word. We need to be living it out in our life. And then number two in verse 29 is to observe and do. That's your blanks. Not only are they... I mean, they go hand in hand to walk in God's law, but they got to do more than just know it. they got to... Or talk it. They need to walk it. You know, what's that thing? you got to walk the talk. There's a lot of Christians that are talking, but they don't walk it. Okay, So they know what to do, but then to actually do it, that's, that's a big deal. And then number four, or three, to keep God's judgments and to keep His statutes. In other words, they are making a contract with God. God, we, we know we've messed up. We want to redo here. We want to pull things back up. And we want to sign our name on the line and get serious with worshiping you. Okay, that's where they're at. And so then we see the details of the covenant uh, throughout some of the rest of the chapter here. And so at this point, you know, I just want to say the people are getting serious with God. They're, they're, they're wanting to do what's right. They are wanting to do what's worthwhile. And we would call that, you know, now they're cooking with gas. They are they're doing something, okay? And maybe if you have electric, who has gas stoves in here? Okay, some of us have, we have electric, but we probably ought to get gas because it would fit that. You know, we can't say cooking with gas. We heat with gas, but oh well. Cooking with Crisco? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, I gotta have a little fun in here. Otherwise, I'm so boring, you guys didn't fall asleep. So, uh, they're start now they're getting serious. Um, and so we get the details. Number one, what was the big problem they'd been having? It was uh, they were giving, they were taking foreign women for their wives, or they were giving their their daughters to foreign men. And so right off the bat, that's the first thing on the list here: not to give their daughters as wives to the foreigners. And basically, why was this? Because the foreigner, pe- the foreign people were serving false gods, mm-hmm. and they didn't. God didn't want that mixed in it. It's mm-hmm. not that He wouldn't allow uh, uh, pe- other peoples to know Him. It's that He didn't want them mixed up in their idols. 
Okay, so number one and two go in that line. Number three, they said, oh, we're not going to buy on the Sabbath. Now, even in this country at one time, you couldn't buy things on Sunday, could you? Had the blue laws, right? That's why you had to go over to Kansas and buy. That's why we live in Kansas. I didn't, you know. No, it's not. But um, but that's all gone, you know. And it's and I know some people have to work on Sunday. That's not a problem. I mean, if that's you know where you got to be at, but um, you know a lot of people Sunday's just another day. It's just another day, and it's like yeah, we're you know we see it all the time. We see people on the way here on Sunday mornings. To them, Sunday's just another day. They're out having a walk. They're doing this. They're at the lake. They're doing whatever. It's just another day, but they go, we're going to make the Sabbath holy again. And we're not going to buy wares. We're not going to go out and buy our things on Sunday. Okay? And we're not going to do it on any holy days. We're going to focus on you, Lord. And then the next one was number five, to rest the land on the seventh year. Remember when Moses gave him that decree or gave him that law? He goes, you guys are supposed to let this land sit on the seventh year. They didn't do it. All those times. In fact, the 70 years captivity was based on uh, all the years that they hadn't let the land rest. Exactly the same amount. Now imagine that. Just coincidence probably. No. God's like, you did not do this and you're going to be there for the amount of time that you should have been serving me. Okay, and so they decided they're going to let the land rest seven years. Even even somebody I know has talked to me about it, and go, you know, we don't do that in the United States today. Farmers don't do that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it would help their uh, uh, ground if they did. I know some do down around us. You can see one year they'll let they don't do anything with it. Okay. Then, well, I, sometimes the government. Yeah, not not to, I was going to say yeah. there's government subsidies yeah you set your land aside government has to get in and mess stuff up yeah (laughs) helps control prices keep thinking that okay um let's stop and think for a minute roger when has the government helped you once you figure out they're not to help us you get it you get it figured out okay Mysterious words. And yeah. I'm here to help you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they, they said they're going to let the land rest on the seventh year. And then, not only that, when, when you had borrowed money from your fellow brothers, your, the Jewish people, and on the seventh year you were supposed to let that debt go. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, when did, was Jubilee? That was on the 49th year. So there were certain debts, debts that were supposed to be forgiven on the 7th year, but there were some like land purchases and things like that that went to the 49th year, which is the year of Jubilee. Okay. And then they, did, they said, hey, we will pay a third part of the shekel to the temple yearly. Now, I know you Bible guys in here, you said, no, that's not what Moses said. It was different. It was more. But I think the people here were so poor, they made an allowance for it. It wasn't quite what it was then. Uh, I just threw that out there for you Bible guys. Um, And then to supply wood for the temple. Because, you know, supplying wood for the temple was kind of like us 
cleaning the bathrooms. I mean, cleaning the church. We take turns doing it, you know, and we want to make sure everybody does their turn, and you've got to be there because we need this done, okay? And so they wanted to make sure that the wood supply would be there, all because the way to God was through sacrifice, through burnt offerings. So somebody had to supply the wood. So everything in this list is is getting the temple ready also to to worship. Okay, so they had to. They made it. They said, "Hey, we will supply the wood for the temple, and then we will bring the first fruits of our crops and things to the priest. We're going to observe the law of the firstborn. So the law of the firstborn was, you know, you had to have a sacrifice, and uh, you had to bring that to the uh, to the temple, and, and there was a sacrifice made for the firstborn when Jesus was born. They they brought a sacrifice." To the temple. Uh, number eleven on the next page is we're going to tithe on our income, and then we're going to bring uh, the tithe of uh, the tithes into the temple treasure house. So you sit there and look at that, and I go, wait a minute, we got tithes. Now we got tithes on tithes. So let me try to explain that a little bit. In, in our church, we we people give tithes to to. Uh, Support paying everything we need for the church here. But yet, here we take a tenth of the tithes and we give it to missions. Okay? That's just part of our policy here. Here they're saying, bring in the tithes, do what you need to do, but a tenth of those we're putting in the storehouse. So they're tithing off of the, the tenth of the, uh, of the tithes goes into the storehouse to help pay for things also. So that took place. And then verse 13, it said, or number 13 I have here, is they promised not to forsake the house of God. That's in the, all this is we are going to take care of the temple. Okay? And basically what we see here is just this is a list of things that are needed to have daily worship in the temple. And not only that, things that need to be there so they can continually worship in the temple. Okay? And so, um, um, uh, what about... We're running out of time here. What about our relationship with the Lord? Are we serious with the Lord? So serious goes in your blank. Okay? So has... Let me just ask you that. I'm going to make it a little more personal today. Uh, a lot of times I kind of get on the history side and I'm like, no, i got to pull this back in. What's that mean for us? So has God made a covenant with us today? What is the covenant that God has given us? What's the promise that He's given us? Eternal life. Okay. In fact, I have a list down here. So eternal life could go on that. Have we made a covenant with Him? List the things that Christ has promised us. So you have eternal life. Anybody else have something they can put on that list? What has God promised us? Okay. You can put that on there. You got a verse for that? Philippians 4.19. Very good. Okay. I just threw that out there because, you know, kind of Henri. Um, yeah, anything else? Go down the list. What has God done for us? What has Christ done for us? 
paid for our sins. There you go. Forgiveness of our sins. Jesus paid it all, right? Mm-hmm. How about how about our future sins? Yep. Past, present, future are paid I, for. I one of my brothers said that uh, he doesn't pay for our future sins because we don't know what we're going to do. So how could he? Because he's, because he's all knowing. <laughs> okay. But it it says it. Yeah. You know. Right. So I have to. <clears throat> I keep saying. So what is that? That's an open door for you just to witness. Okay, we want that. We want people asking us. Okay, so yeah, that's big. And actually, in the last few years, I've put that to the top of the list: the forgiveness of our sins. Because the forgiveness of our sins is the fellowship that He gives us too. It goes in that. I used to always think, well, you know, when I got saved when I was ten, you know why I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I didn't want to go hell. I didn't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Point blank. But I didn't realize all the things that God was going to give me. I just didn't want to go to hell and I realized that Jesus paid for my sins. Why, you'd be a fool not to accept Christ as your Savior. And I'm ten. Okay? I wish people could grab that. But but there's so much more than that. The forgiveness of our sins, Jesus paid it all so we can have a fellowship with him. That is that's what he's done for us, okay? So he's given us eternal life. He's uh given us peace and fellowship with the Father. Um what else? Did anybody say home in heaven yet? Have you mentioned that? Eternal life. Eternal life. Well, you know, but it's with him. Okay. It fits in that same boat. Okay. Um turn over in your Bible to Ephesians. I've been reading Ephesians in just in my daily time, Bible time. And uh, I'm really liking the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. I don't think I've taught on that yet, but I, I think I should. So, let's look at verse t- chapter 2. And I'm going to read 1 through 9. And we'll see what it says. It says, And you, who's the you there? It's the Ephesians. It's us if you're saved, if you're born again. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. True or false? True. True. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our life in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now there is some type of a form of us sitting in heaven, just waiting for us to get there. But how awesome is that? Okay, Verse 7, that in the ages to come, now I want you to get this verse, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward who? Us. Us 
through Christ Jesus. Now hang your hat on that for a little bit. That in the ages to come, He's going to show us His grace to us. Now when we get to Christ, we are, we are the bride of Christ. We be, will be Mary in Christ. Now I don't know how that works. But here's what I know. If you marry the king, you get some pretty good perks. Mm-hmm. When, we, king when we are married to the king of kings, to the God of the universe, yeah. and he's going to keep, and he's going to constantly show us his riches and his glory and his love for us. Yeah. How awesome is that? Uh, let's go, let's keep reading at verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. There's that walk again. Okay. Um, I don't know if I want to keep going or not, but I mean we could. The whole chapter is a great chapter. But the point I wanted to make is, just what has God given us? He's going to give us His riches, not just now, not just when we get to heaven, but forever in heaven. So I mean, wow, that is something that we need, you know, we need to talk about. So all the things that God has given us. Okay, so you have another list underneath that. So list the things that we have given to Christ. List some things that you have given to Christ in your life. And what should they be there? And I'll just throw some out. Uh, our, our time. We need to give God our talents. Um, our money. And really, what's God want? He wants our life. He wants all of us. He wants us all in. Okay? So the question I have too is, are we fulfilling this in our life? When we get to the point where we think we're doing our part by showing up on Sunday, and I, I, I love all you guys showing up on Sunday morning. I'm not trying to say that's bad. But if that's it, we're missing the boat. That's, that we're missing the boat. Are we fulfilling? Have you ever sat down and write out and wrote down a list of things like this and said, this is what I'm willing to give you, cried Jesus? I don't know if I'd ever done that. I've written down blessings that he's given me. I don't ever think I did that like, like they did in, in uh, Nehemiah where this is what we'll do, God. This is what we're planning on doing. Now they blow it, I mean, because they can't do it. And we will too. But I'm like, have we ever sat down and wrote a list? God, I am willing to give you this. I'm willing to give you that. I'm talking to myself today, so I have to, I have to think about that. And so are we doing that? So, you know, some people live for the weekend. Right? How many of you know people that live for the weekend? Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a couple ways to look at that. Number one, uh, maybe they, and what they mean by that is to party. Oh, when I was younger, I knew a lot of people like that. You know? We, I mean, we just work to party for the weekend, okay? Not the right attitude, right? And then there are people that go, well, I, I work to go to the lake on the weekend. Nothing wrong with the lake, but if that's your life, that's, that's why you're working, not right. Um, and you might have the relaxing group. Hey, Sunday is, is my day of rest. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's, what's that one song that, you know, Sunday's their fun day? 
It's uh, oh, what is that song? I should know. I think the Bengals sing it. The Bengals. The Bengals sing that song. Manic Monday. And I like that tune. It's a nice tune. But um, you look at that tune, it's like, so if Sunday's your fun day, what's going on? Do you, do you have a relationship with Christ? Apparently not. Um, um, anything you put... And then some people just work to pay the bills. What's the Loverboy's song? Everybody's working for the weekend. Is that? Okay. So that goes in the group, but then, but some of us have the other. Some now that's the irresponsible group, right? <laughs> then you got the responsible group, and guess what they're working for? To pay the bills, which is okay, and that's it's it's better. But yet, that's still not it. You know, we need to be working so we can minister. If you really think about it, we need to be working so I can minister. And do what God wants me to do. Now, I still have to pay my bills. Yes, I need to do this. So I need, I know I need to be responsible. But we need, our attitude should be, why do I work? Well, number one, it's, um, I need to pay my bills. But specifically, I need to be, I need that in order to be the witness that God wants me to be. At the job, at home, wherever I go. I need that, okay? Um, so, we must live our lives for Christ and not ourselves. And when we do put Christ first in our life, what happens? Christ is going to bless us. Okay, Matthew six thirty three is a good verse for that. And I've got a I've got a statement here, and I'm going to read this, and or, and uh, then we'll wrap stuff up. We'll get out of here. So I got a little uh, uh, article here that was written, and uh, it's called Playground or Battleground. Okay, so just hang with me. It says, in the early days when Christianity exercised dominion influence over American thinking, we conceived the world to be a battleground. Our fathers believed in sin. They believed in the devil and hell as a constituting uh, one force. And they believed in God and righteousness in heaven as the other force. So man had to choose sides. He could, be, he could not be neutral. For him, it must be life or death, heaven or hell. And if he chose to come out on God's side, he would expect an open war with God's enemies. The fight would be real and deadly, and it would be as long as life continued here. Men looked forward to heaven as they would to returning home from war, laying down of the sword to enjoy in peace the home that God had prepared for them. How different things are today. The fact remains the same, but the interpretation has changed completely. Men think of the world not as a battleground, but as a playground. We are not here to fight. We're just here to frolic. We are not in a foreign land. This is our home. We are not getting ready to live. We, uh, we are not getting ready to live. We are already living. And the best we can do is rid ourselves of our inhibitions and our frustrations and live this life to the full. This changed attitude toward the world has had and is having an effect upon Christians, even gospel Christians who profess the faith of the Bible. They must make hedge around the question if they were asked to declare their position, but their conduct gives them away. They are facing both ways, both Christ and the world too, and gleefully telling everyone that accepting Christ does not require them to give up their fun and their worship is a sort of a sanctified late-night clubbing without the champagne and the dressing up of drunks. 
So the whole point I'm trying to make out here is Christianity today, on the most part, don't realize that we're in a battle. And I think we do. But we got to think about that all the time. We are living in Satan's domain. And when things don't go right for us, we need to expect it. Can you imagine living under Hitler in World War II? But yet, we, the God of this world right now is worse than Hitler. And we think, every, we, we think everybody should be honest and fair and do what's right. But that's not how Satan runs. You know, he, and he has control of our government, our school, almost everything right now. So we are going to be getting beat down from all sides. We're living in a battleground. That's why it's so important. We need to live our life for Christ. Yeah, Roger, you have a comment? But if we walk worthy, he does not have control of us. That's true. That's true. I, I do like that, walking worthy, because we need to be doing that. Because if we as a church, as a group, are not walking worthy with Christ, we're going to be eaten alive. And instead of being the spokesman we need to be for Christ, we'll just be part of the rest of the part of the crowd and nothing for Christ will get done. So again, serving the Lord is we will not understand how important it is till we get to heaven. Okay? And I'm not here knocking anybody I'm saying it's important. And we need to live it out in our lives. So let's pray and uh, we'll get in the other room. Father in heaven, we just come before